bouncing with the updrafts in the back of a single engine Cessna. I watched the shadow of our airplane dance across the green expanse of the Acavango Delta, some 500 feet below. If we go down out here, shouts the pilot, you'll be on the bottom of the food chain. Today's guest grew up in the heart of this ecosystem, learning how to live off the land and teach other people how to thrive in one of the last truly wild places left on the planet. This week, we visit with him live near a remote research camp in the Okavango Delta. back to the Get Lost Podcast, everybody. I am your long-lost host, Joe Sills. A special thanks to Meredith Edwards for running the show while I've been in Africa for a while. Today's episode is going to be a banger. Our guest this week is a guide from Botswana. His name is Kito Petsa Petros Kagande. He joins us now. Katie, say hello. Hello, sir. How's it going, man? Very good, Anna. Really very good. I'm very glad to be here in this place. Uh, Go ahead. It's been a long time I've been here. Now I'm glad that you, you came here in Africa to, to wake us up after a long pandemic COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like um, the light is now at the end of the tunnel? Uh, definitely, I do think uh, now everything will go back to normal as we are now seeing the guests coming, mm-hmm. even though they are coming in small numbers like we expect before. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell all of the listeners what we have been doing for the past week? All right, what we've been doing for the last uh, Past week, we've been doing the transect. Transect is just to collect the data that can help the government or the concession to know what kind of animals we do have in the concession or what animals is disappearing in large numbers. Mm-hmm. And we're here in uh, really on the outskirts of the Akavango Delta. So what KT means by uh, concession in, in Botswana is something like a county uh, or a parish would be back in the U.S., uh, basically just a, a large plot of land. In this case, the one we're working on is larger than most national parks. Uh, but we're counting uh, very slowly uh, herds of uh, impala 
and elephant and giraffe. And then we're also looking for signs of carnivores, correct? Yes, we are here in the in the part of the Okavango Delta, even though we are a little bit far from the Okavango. Mm-hmm. So we are we do the concession. It we, we I'm talking about uh, the conservation area, mm-hmm. which is not owned by the government, but the animals in the concession belongs to the government here. Mm-hmm. So, as you can see here in this concession, due to lack of water, we do count less animals that depend on water compared to the animals that are not water dependent. Right, because we are actually in a dry area. Um, fairly far away from the river that you might be accustomed to seeing when you look at documentaries about the Akavango. But today, KT, I, I want to talk to you about what it's like to grow up here. Um, tell me about your your childhood. What was that like to grow up here in the Akavango region? So, myself, I grew up in the Akavango region. A long time back I was born here I was born and raised here so our parents they were hunters and gatherers since they didn't go to school mm-hmm. but my parents sent me to school at the age of nine years when I was doing standard three I was harassed by another guy who was an elder boy in in that class, in our class. He failed standard seven and then he went to join us on standard three, which is grade three. Mm -hmm. And then when I tried to tell my parents at home, it's like uh, they were ignoring me because they didn't believe it. When I end up losing my school, going to stay at Cattle Post without doing anything. And at that time, I was very intelligent enough. I could have gone somewhere far. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could have been a doctor by that time if I, I could have continued with my school. And then I decided to go back to school, and it was late. I ended up asking my parents to send me to school at least to, to 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 make sure that I'm also in a position of maybe expressing myself in English or even how to read and write. They didn't look down upon my motion. Mm-hmm. They tried to help me until I finished where the school finished, like uh, Form 5, which is our our high. Yeah, high school. High school here in Botswana. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't do well uh, because I did. I missed so many years in between. Yeah. I was influenced by one of the, one of my, my colleague or my classmate who is called 
ditse ma Jeremia ga bogolelwe he encouraged me to to become a guide we were working together at and beyond as well i didn't have interest on that since it was i felt it was difficult for me to 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 do that course again but i didn't go to school for that he was helping me to become a guide by giving me papers he was asking question he was compiling papers for me so that i can learn more until i went to wildlife training institute to write my guide and then i scoop the an assistant guide right so you went to 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 recap a little bit um because it is a a really inspiring story and full disclosure we we talked a little about this this week at camp which is why i wanted to share with the listeners but you were nine years old at school and had good grades doing well and you said that the guy um you were competing with in class when actually did go on to be a doctor. Yeah. So you were in school and someone older than you came and, and picked on you and you were taken out of school. Yeah. They sent you to work at a cattle post. Yeah. And you did that for what, 10 years? I did that for six years. Six years. So until you were 15. Yes. And, and then what, age were you when you decided to go back at the age of 15 Mm -hmm. i decided to go back to school Mm -hmm. when i go to school first i was supposed to be on a lower class when i look at the student in class i've realized that i'm old enough and then i asked them to at least send me to a a better class which is maybe standard seven or standard six and then they couldn't believe me even the teachers at school that time they couldn't believe me and then they say one say okay we will give you a a composition if you can write a composition about yourself Mm -hmm. and then we will mark that composition if you pass it you, we will send you to standard six at least. And this was all written in English. It was all written in English. Right. So, and this is really, really challenging because obviously English is not your first language. Uh, it's really, really challenging since it's not our first language. And it was difficult for me at an old age like that starting to learn English. I tried my best to write that composition and then they've marked it. It was out of 20 and then I ended up getting 15 out of 20. Yeah. Then the teacher decided to meet again and then they say it's better we we let him pass to standard six. Right. His composition is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. So that kind of to brings us back up to speed with where you picked up, and eventually you learn a little about guiding. Um, where did those skills come from? In fact, the skills come from the older people, our elderly people who 
who grew us up here in the area, mm. since they know much about wildlife and the area itself, they taught us so many things, animal behavior in our language, mm-hmm. and then us, we tried to convert it in, in English, and the guy whom I said he helped me, Kibitsama Jaramia Habukolelu, he inspired me because he compiled a very big file for me so that I can start learning. It all t- every time when I tried to ask him a question, he was helping me with all his yeah. heart because he was willing for me to, to become a guide. Mm. He have long wanted me to become a guide, but uh, I was nearly disappointing him. But at the end, I made him make feel like uh, he's now happy. He's my professor. Yeah, so he actually took the time to help you translate what you learned from your parents into English, which is the, the key. So now the key is... I would say the key is is the English language. Yeah, because of the tourists that come in, and that's how to make money. Yes, in fact, it's not all about money. At least now, I can communicate with everyone in English, even though I'm not perfect enough in English, but I can communicate with everyone, and I understand it very well. Even when somebody asking me questions, I can maybe answer him or her, yeah, fluently without uh, without panicking because us here, we feel like we are shy, especially when speaking English since it's not our our mother's tongue. Mm-hmm. And then we think maybe when we say something wrong, somebody will laugh at you. That's what make us not feel like we are confident on, on, on when speaking English. You know, what's interesting to me this week is that you've had, I guess there's been four people on the team, right? Yeah. Speaking English natively, but you have an American accent for me. Yeah. You have two British people that speak slightly differently mm-hmm. from each other. And you have a girl from Eastern Europe that speaks with like a Russian accent in English. And yet you're able to very easily understand all of us. It's no problem. So, yeah, definitely it's like that because I'm now used to work with this English-speaking people Mm -hmm. from different parts of the world. We do have some from Europe, those who don't know English very well, like French and Germany. Mm -hmm. It's not all of them who know English very well. Mm -hmm. But we still speak English together because we and them, we English is not our first language. Sometimes when we are with them, we speak slowly so that everyone can understand each other. But nowadays, even if you can speak very quick or deep English, I can still get your accents because I'm now used to, to English. Let's talk a little about the connection that you have to this place. Because, I mean, selfishly, I've never really met anybody that 
has grown up on the land that their parents, 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 you know, ancestors grew up on. So do you feel like the work you do here as a guide is a positive thing for this place, for the Akavengo? Hey, what I can say is really, really interesting to ask me such a question. It's really interesting. The work that I'm doing here is very, very beneficial to, to the Okavango area. Since we are marketing our country from this heritable place, the Okavango area, which is the number one heritage in the world, mm-hmm. is our, priv- our privilege to have such kind of place in the country like now tourism is the second source of income here in our country it do benefit the country very well as you can see when you come to our town Maun you will see that Mau is really changing and is developed very quickly through tourism and even us we do get an opportunity to work in the conservation areas like this Okavango area. Yeah, and would you describe the Okavango to somebody who's never heard of it? What does it look like? So the Okavango is the paradise of Africa. Okavango is splitted into so many channels is good when you are looking at the Okavango map from the top, especially on on air, either a a chopper or an aeroplane is very good. Uh, When you look at an Okavango area, you may think it's up on on the hill, but it's not up on the hill. It's like sloping or just slight sloping, mm-hmm. like uh, not too much from the high land of the uh, the Okavango, passing through Namibia to 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 Okavango, which is Mohembo border of our our border between our border between us and Namibia, because the Okavango, where it comes from is called Uvango and when it comes from Namibia is Kavango but here in Botswana is Okavango. You can hear the names is Uvango, mm-hmm. Kavango and Okavango. And it's all the same river system. It's the, all the same river system. But the main one here in uh, in southern Africa is the Okavango Delta. Yeah. So a little bit about the wildlife here. Uh, the Akavango Delta is home to between 130,000 to 140,000 elephants. Um, there are roughly 3,500 lions here, which is a huge population even uh, for Africa. In fact, it's one of the largest in all of Africa, right? Yeah. Um, as well as hippo, crocodile, leopards, hyena. What am I missing? Wild, uh, wild dogs. Wild dogs. 
we are the second from Zambia, but uh, our population between us and Zambia on wild dogs is more or less the same. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really close with those species. Uh, giraffe, I mean, everything you can imagine is is here. And it feels like one of the last holdouts of like true untouched wilderness on the planet. That's not quite true. There are some fences and things like that around, but for the most part, when you get in the Delta, it is wild, yeah? Yes, most part when you get into the delta, it's too wild. What is too wild? I mean, it's wild. Yeah. Yes. So, for me to say that it's too wild is because here, all our animals are not in zoo. Mm. They are free. They they do have free movement. Mm -hmm. They can move from one place to another. Once you meet or you come across any animal that is very dangerous, it can cause a problem to you, especially when you don't calculate its behavior very well. Mm. You have to know about its behavior because they are, they are roomy in the world, I mean in the wilderness. And this is where the lessons from your parents come in? Yes, they did taught us mostly they 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 highlighted us on elephant lions and how to deal with a buffalo since buffalo it never say it's when it come it come once it it don't it doesn't warn you yeah it just come once and other animals will warn you usually yes, other animals will warn you like a lion will warn you a, a, an elephant will will warn you. A leopard, normally with a leopard, is not an easy thing to to attack you very easily. Mm. It can run at first stage. It can only attack you when you follow it or when you provoke it. So a leopard in general is not going to come into camp and take one of us out. So leopard, they can do come into the camp, but uh, they are normally nocturnal. It doesn't mean we, we don't see them during the day. Mm -hmm. We do normally see them several times during the day, but they are more nocturnal and they, they are very lazy predators. Mm -hmm. So they do hunt only when it's cool. During the day, just like a, just like a lion, they will lie down on the ground or they will hang up on the trees to to rest. I don't want to paint the picture that um, we're in like peril or anything because we are in a, a pretty nice camp out here in the Delta and there are no fences, but at the same time, you know, we're not really in imminent danger. But I do want to ask you to tell an exciting story and I happen to know that you had a personal encounter with a lion uh, can you tell us about that yes it was in 2014 when I was in one of our national park Savute 
it, I was in Chobe National Park in Sawita Part. We were camping at hard tub number 25. Mm -hmm. It was in the morning when I tried to wake up and go to prepare fire so that I can start making fire and preparing for the guests. Mm -hmm. I've encountered a male lion. When I raise my head up, I've seen it like a 40 meters away from me, coming towards me, and then I stopped. Was it running or walking? It was walking. Mm -hmm. At first it was joking, and then when I raised my head, it stopped a little bit and then it comes slowly, and then I stopped. I was holding a spade on my hand. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped, look at it coming. It came up to maybe 2.5 or 2 meters away from me. That's so close. And then I, it, what came in my mind, I said, ah, my parents taught me how to deal with this kind of animals. I don't have to run because it's already very close to me. It's better I just stop and look at this lion to see what it will do to me. And then I stopped. Mm -hmm. We were facing each other. It was roaring, facing each other for a period of 45 to 46 minutes. Just having a stare down. Yes. What are you thinking when that's going on? At first, I had a spade on my hands, and then I say, if this lion will try to do something, even though it will hurt me or it will kill me, I'm going to use the spade to defend myself. And then I just stood still, and then what comes in my mind, I say, ah, once I turn, this lion might attack and kill me. It's better I face it so that I can see what everything that can happen to to me. Mm -hmm. And then I did that with confidence. Though I was a little bit scared, but... Uh, you were a little bit scared. Yes, I was a little bit scared, but uh, I tried to to strengthen myself, saying I'm going to face it face to face up to the time where it came to retreat and start going back a little bit when it was about 10 or 10 to 15 meters away from me it turned and ran away and when the lion turned and ran how did you feel no i was just looking at it didn't want to make any noise to see what will happen until it disappear completely is that's when I start moving. Mm -hmm. So it worked. It worked to me. When you get up in the morning, like it sometimes happens uh, at our camp, because usually by the time I get up, it's still dark, but there's a fire usually going. Do you still think about that lion? I I really think about lion, but. 
for us here since it's not the first time to be to encounter that kind of of maybe attack or incident mm -hmm. it's not we we don't consider that as a as a problem when we wake up it's another day we feel like uh, we are home even when we wake up we know it can happen like that sometimes when we wake up you can see you, when you wake up you'll find a lion killing a buffalo between you and the, the campfire mm -hmm. and then what <laughs> what happens if you if we wake up tomorrow and there's a lion and a buffalo in the camp so what we do i'll be in my tent if that happened by the way in your tent the reason why you always see me parking the vehicles next to the vehicle next to my tent is to make sure that uh, everything is safe in camp so that anything happen i can jump in the vehicle so that i can assist everyone ah yeah i didn't think about that yeah. but that's pretty cool um so after the lion thing happens did you tell your parents about it so i didn't tell them but uh, since we were with other guys some of my relatives that just heard the story from 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 the colleagues mm -hmm. and then they ended up asking me we heard that you you have been attacked by a lion. And then I said, no. No, mom. No, it's fine. It doesn't mean I was attacked by, an, uh, by a lion. Yeah. We were looking at each other with a lion. Yeah. And then they say, no, you are kidding us. We heard that you had a, an attack with a lion. I said, yes, you can see me. I'm fit, fresh, not fresh. No, no. <laughs> I'm fine, mom. I'm fine. Yeah. Aren't all moms the same? <laughs> you just don't want to tell them the scary stories. Yeah. Uh, I don't think mine knows how to listen to podcasts, so uh, at least I hope not, because it's definitely not a mom-rated show. <laughs> so, with, with the moms, sometimes I, I have a wife as well. You know, sometimes when you try to tell them about something, they will, they will say, no, not, not to my kids. Because once I tell my mom about the, those kind of stories, yeah. they will end up saying, no, my son, it's better you come home and stay here rather than going to die there in the bush. <laughs> Don't be a guide anymore. Yes. <laughs> what in the world? Um, okay, so there's a couple of other things that are impacting the Akavango region right now, like overall. Um, what are some of the issues that as a guide, you feel like are threatening um, wildlife here? Uh, some of the things that are threatening our wildlife here in the Okavango is that climate change. Mm -hmm. In what way? So, we had the titanic movement of the air. Mm -hmm. Earthquake. Yes. So that shifted most of the Okavango channels, or it made some of the Okavango channels very shallow. Mm -hmm. 
so they don't contain water for a long time so the Okavango Delta used to flow for 250 kilometers mm. but now it reduced and is not as some of the channels are not as deep as we used to know them some they converted to different paths mm -hmm. due to those movements we are experiencing shortage of our predators due to water and what impact does that have less predators means what you mean the impact of the predators yeah of having fewer of them so the impact is now we end up having few of them in the area because the animals like buffaloes they moved from the area mm -hmm. to the Chobe part of the country mm -hmm. which is the northern part of Botswana as well and how far away is that? Uh, probably I would say from where we are, it can be 90 to 130 kilometers. Yeah, which is doesn't sound like a lot when you're thinking about highway, but highway is not really a thing here. Uh, it takes us three hours to go 80K sometimes. Yes, it takes us so few hours, but in, when you talk about the, the, the conservation area road, Mm -hmm. They are not. They are really, really very bad. Mm -hmm. For you to drive a twenty-kilometer road, it will take you an hour. Yeah, yeah. This is facts. Yes. Uh, as long as you don't get stuck, and then it might take you <laughs> an hour, a little bit more. So the reason why the predators are are in less in Okavango, they are now moving to towards the the Kwando Chobe area following the channel of the Okavango mm -hmm. because those those channels, Kwando, Chobe they also part of the the Okavango Delta mm -hmm. because when they flow when they are full they just like uh, split the waters to to the Okavango Delta so help uh, Western people. Most of the listeners here are in the UK or the US, um, but shout out to, to everybody else that is out there. I see you. Hi. Um, help us understand what people living here in the Akavango need to survive. So people are living here in Akavango They need to gather fruits, to fish, and to live mm -hmm. near 
the water source, which is the river, mm-hmm. for them to survive better. Since most of the most of them, they are tribes that grew up in the water. Everything that they are doing is from water. They do gather the water lead mm-hmm. from the the Okavango Delta or from the river that split from the main channels, which is Mauna Jira channels. Mm-hmm. As it split, you will find them staying on an island, on a small island everywhere in the... In the the people, they're in the islands yes. that are in the delta. They, they are staying in the island in the delta, but those islands that are not on the conservation area most of them. So they're not protected? They are protected since uh, they are communal areas or some of them are agricultural areas that uh-huh. people need to to raise their livestock in. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up something important here, which is livestock. Uh, I was not aware until I got on the ground in Botswana that livestock is really important to the way of life. It's really important because some people, they have never even went to school or even work at somehow. <laughs> they survive on their livestock. They send their kids or their children to school from those or through the, those livestock like cattle that they have, they can sell it to the abattoir or anyone from the butchery so that they can make living out of them. So they raise cattle and then sell the cattle to become meat in the grocery store or whatever. Yes, they <coughs> raise the cattle to sell them for meat and uh, for milk purposes, mm-hmm. even to feed the family, mm-hmm. some of them you sell them to those who want to get married, those who don't have any cattle at all, but they want to get married. Since here in Botswana, you can't get married without a a, a cow. You have to have a cow to get married it's because. From the charges that you are charges, we do what is paying Lobola. What is Lobola? Lobola is like a, when a man want to marry. Yeah. You're supposed to pay a Lobola to the... Oh, a dowry. or Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. <clears throat> so are you saying that I'm still single because I don't own any cows? No, you can because nowadays it's developed. Should I buy a cow now? You can buy a cow. Just in case. You can buy a cow. Sometimes, nowadays, as I, the reason why I'm saying nowadays is everything has changed. Yes. Because everything is dynamic. What we do, they can say, we want, maybe we are charging you six cattle. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, we don't mind 
whether you bring pocket cattle. Pocket cattle. What's pocket cattle? It's, it's money. Money is pocket cattle. Why have we been calling it money? So they will say pocket cattle meaning money. Yeah. Because if you have money, in the area you will find that maybe they say a, a cow costs 3,000 pula. Yeah. If they say cattle, I mean pocket cattle, and then they say they need six cattle, you will multiply that six times three. That's a lot of math for a writer, but yes, I get the idea. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this gives us an idea of, of why cattle are culturally significant and also for for food and, and families. Yeah. Um, and you yourself own cattle, obviously because you're married. Um, but you also work in conservation. You work with wildlife and sometimes predators and livestock come into conflict, right? Yeah. So, what does that look like? It looks like it's very bad one. I do work here in conservation. I have cattle or livestock at home. But nowadays, I won't say I have them. Since I had like 75 gold, yeah. In total, one day a hyena came during the night. They were in a crawl. It scared them until they they jump over, mm -hmm. and then it killed fifteen. The hyena scared the ghosts. So they jump out yes, of. It killed fifteen out of them, and they it ate only one, but didn't finish it. Only one. What? Other 14. Why? Sometimes with the livestock, it's not difficult for, for the wild animals to, to kill them very easily. Mm -hmm. Since domestic animals can't run away and they don't have an idea of what to do when they are attacked by by wild animals like a like let me select predators yeah so what does that impact have on your family when a predator from the delta from one part of your life comes into the other part of your life so it affected my family since I was working here. They were there looking after those cattle and goats. But at the end, I ended up remaining with five. Five goats. Five goats within a month. So you lost 70 in one month. Yes. And the government doesn't help you with that. Since all those goats were killed by a hyena, mm -hmm. the government don't confiscate a hyena. They do for other predators. They do for other predators. Yeah. And again, I had like 18 cattle. I mean, they were killed until I left with two. 
some of them I've seen their carcass when they were too old when we try to report that the government came with their with their machines to check what might be the problem or what might be the cause of death mm. they find that they were hyenas as well mm. they didn't confiscate me so how how much guiding do you have to do to make up for that loss uh, it will take me time since we were affected badly by this pandemic corona it will take me time to to recover now my plan is i will try to raise wild well, i mean livestock again when i retire because whenever you whenever you work or wherever you work you know there are certain age when you reach you have to retire you can't work until you are an old man but that the time that you need to now stay home so that you can raise livestock for for future yeah mm. i'm i'm torn on this <clears throat> because my very western and and uneducated view when I got here was that there are a lot of cattle yet Botswana has these incredible animals that you some of which you can't find anywhere else in the world and I think a lot of Americans and Brits probably share a view that looks something like this distorted utopia of a perfect Africa is an Africa that is untouched mm. But having met you and heard your story and the story of the people here, I now feel that there has to be a balance. What would you say to somebody that says you should not raise cattle because they're bad for the environment? Uh, somebody who can say that, who can say I shouldn't raise cattle, in the area mm. might we can regard we, we might say or we might regard him or her as a <laughs> what word can I use? I mean any any word on this show. Yes. <laughs> Like I said, I don't think mom knows how to listen to this. Okay. Yeah. We can consider him or her as a... I don't know what... Which, which proper word can I use now? Because they, there are so many. Because us here, we live on those ones. And there is not everyone who can look after all this kind of people yeah because when you look at the background you will find that these people some of the people here around we regard them as rich people 
but all of them are raised by those cattle. Mm. You pick some men in town, they don't even know how to read and write. Due to their efforts looking after their parents' livestock, they are now rich. But most of the time when we see somebody raising a cattle, most people think is they look down upon him. They look down on on cattle. Um, yes, cattle people that work in cattle. Yes. I was gonna say cowboys, but that's not really what's going on. Really good. <clears throat> but what my father told me, he said, education doesn't end. The reason why he said that education doesn't come to an end is. Even if you are an ambassador or an MP, mm -hmm. when you retire or when you resign, the life that you are going to start is an education. Because you've been working, using your money, without knowing anything about the cattle. You met cattle when you were young, and then when you start working, you tend to look down upon cattle. Though you had cattle, because you had money and then you had, had boys to look after your livestock. Let me ask you this, because you've been on so many sides of this spectrum. You work in lodges that cost thousands of dollars US per night, and you interact with very wealthy tourists um, who rely on you for safety, guidance, companionship food and yet you also have been the 10 year old boy at the cattle post um, what did it teach you about life so what I learned most from being a head boy to become a, a guide uh, my experience is I've been a head boy from my childhood. Hmm. The reason why I insisted to go to school after suffering for a long time hmm. is because I've seen people who went to school changes their life through education. Yeah. And then I decided to, to go to school so that I can become a guide in one of the days. Mm -hmm. But I have achieved that I'm now a guide. Working with, working for a lodge which, which receives tourism from different part of the world with a high rate it's a beneficial to me because sometimes they come with a different idea that they can develop our minds or our thinking skills yeah 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 what would you say now 
to the boy that picked on you when you were nine years old? So, for now, there's nothing much I can say to him since he's not doing anything in his life as we speak. He's a poor guy. And I feel pity for him. Mm. I was young, that's the reason why I had no idea of not leaving school. I thought maybe it's a solution, but uh, I've realized late that uh, I could have continued with school that time. But uh, since it's the past, that guy, I will say, God will help him to maybe change his life because the guy is very poor. When I look at him now, I feel pity for him as well. And you really have a, a very, to me, a rich existence because you are able to see so many of the country's beautiful animals in their wild environment. And and I personally would like to take this time to say thank you uh, for the past several days because uh, it's been uh, a really unforgettable experience here with you. So I'm glad as well. I'm so thankful to to meet you in this beautiful wilderness we have around us here. It was a very nice meeting you and I wish this could happen each and every year that we we have guests like you around us here well thanks that's that's really nice I assure you I don't get that kind of welcome at every <laughs> every place um, but Kito Pet said thank you so much for coming on the show and taking time um, I want you guys to know that you can follow KT on Facebook at Kito Kagande it said it's K-H-I-T-O yes K-A-G-A-N-D-E uh, and that way you can keep track of his adventures out here in, in Botswana uh, and elsewhere as he continues his journey of education. So before we go, um, what would you tell people um, about Botswana right now? The people listening now, what would you tell them? Botswana, they are very peaceful people. So we believe in majority rules mm -hmm. our government do everything after consulting the community or local people mm -hmm. and then we vote so the vote goes to majority if majority wins that's the thing that can be implemented mm -hmm. In the parla in our parliament, or we do have the customer record in a rural areas or in in the village. The customer record, they do have chiefs. 
chiefs are the judge of the customer record. Mm -hmm. But if a case is too high for them, is that's when they can change it to they can maybe recommend it to go to a magistrate court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they can still sentence you prison or you can be given lashes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like the village we went through a few days ago, you said there was a court, mm -hmm. a court right there. Mm -hmm. um, what about the wildlife? What should people come here to see? People should come here to see the beauty of this country. We do have a heartless tourism management here in Botswana. Mm -hmm. And Botswana is considering tourism as a significant quality standard of nature. High standard. Yes. Last question before I let you go. Who is the best cook at camp? You can't pick yourself. <laughs> I would say Joe is the best cook. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Campfire spaghetti wins again. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Um, quick note to the listeners: all of our audio equipment is pretty makeshift right now. So if you notice a dip in that, uh, that's my fault. And uh, shout out to Margarita for really saving my butt and coming up with some wireless mics when none of my American electronics worked over here. So thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks with another episode from Africa. We should have several more of these as we're on the road for a while.